Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 In Conversation podcast, episode 149. And today is another one of my DJ specials to follow up the DJ Woody, DJ Rasp and Jesse Cage interviews I've gone so far. Today, I've got none other than the legendary DJ Rob Swift with his partner, Dilly. They have a um, a project called Dilbert, which they they work on, and they've got a bunch of um, live videos online of those two back-to-back DJing, side-by-side DJing. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. Go check it out. Uh, also, uh, at the end of this show, to kind of break with first break, or actually it's going to be the second break in tradition, but at the end of this show, um, I'm actually playing Dilly's uh, mixtape uh, called Stay Home, Stay Stoned. Uh, it's a mix. It's available on their mix cloud. Um, and it's really cool. Um, and yeah, the, Rob Swift actually has an EP out as well with the real DMT, which is going to be the first breaking tradition, if you will. Um, but this uh, this EP is called The Cure, and um, it's just straight up hip hop, uh, beats, scratches, voice. Absolutely love it. I'm actually going to intro the um, interview with the opening track, Overdose, uh, which is going to come on in a second. But I just want to have a shout out and say thank you for allowing me to use the music on the show for this one. And uh, for you guys to go out there and actually pick this stuff up. So if you're into your hip hop, get it on whatever format you can. This is Rob Swift, Real DMT with Overdose. Coming up after this, we've got the interview with Rob Swift and his partner in crime, Dilly. So I hope you guys enjoy. Peace out. Your numbers give you bigger that chart, you grab it higher, your life is a competition, who's winning when you retire? A hundred thousand shares, you're flipping and selling half, the market dropping, lost 50% after the demand, never enough cash, no matter how many zeros, whether begging on the streets or riches, Robert De Niro, never enough likes, got 50 but wanting hundreds, turning thousands, still you're hungry, forever increasing numbers, you're needing more fans, your songs need more plays, your bank needs more money, your life needs more days, the women that you lead, the salary you get paid 400 million views how we turn that into eight obsessing over age pretending she only 20 and the dude she misleading pretending he come from money them numbers feed ego multiply however high none of that is coming with you you're leaving it when you die that has to do with more than you need yo i'm talking about money drugs sex yo i'm talking about overdose bought a house for two couldn't work got it fixed the market shift found a buyer and flipped it for six invested 50 percent of the profit in commodity i gotta tip it probably multiply astronomically planted 30 seeds and harvested 25 paid the queen bee pumping more workers out for the hive that unemployment rise three percent turn into four then workers get laid off jobs automated more profit must be steeper how your record sales looking how big are the crowds you bring in before we book in before we offer mortgage gotta check gotta know what's your credit score number i'm sorry that's too low your epr is 20 90 percent of the average with from mastercard is adding up the profits that are massive national debt by the trillions politicians making millions richest one percent is chilling parasite for seven billion that has to do with yo, 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 i'm talking about money drugs so yo, 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 Media reading a billion memes, never seen encyclopedia. 
The world turns small, the phones have made us lazy. Your pride has got you worshiping followers. Yeah, you crazy. You envy on your feed to feed. Your massive gluttony, excessively indulging in social media fuckery. Lusting at the models, you're too tapping a picture, showing off your greed and constant need to make the world sicker. Them seven deadly sins when indulged, make it hunger that consumes you in the fruitless search for always higher numbers. Enough your ego, cash, confusion, and sex. Welcome to my show today. I have DJ Rob Swift and Dilly. Uh, together they are Dilbert. Um, and yeah, guys, welcome to the show today. What up, Barnaby? Hi, thank you for having us. Absolutely no problems. Absolutely my pleasure on this. Um, and uh, yeah, um, thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for having us. We're excited to chat with you and talk all things DJing and Dilbert and Dilly and Rob Swift and... Whatever oh, yeah. else you want to talk Everything. about. Everything. Good. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, well, let's, let's kick things off with um, a, a bit of background on both of you, really. Um, I mean, uh, Rob Swift, I know much more about you than I do about Dilly, unfortunately. So I know from like your background of being in the Executioners and your general sort of like DJ hip hop background um, had a big impact on what I was doing uh, when I was younger, um, when you collaborated with specifically when you guys collaborated with um mike shinoda and and mr han and you did that it's going down um yes that track kind of because i was a i was a dj in a metal band myself at that point you see and and it was it was a battle because it was like one of those things where um the dj wasn't taken very seriously at all as a as an instrument right um but that that was one of my sort of like bullets in my gun if you were was that particular track because i was like listen to this this is what you can do and this is what i do you know um and yeah i just wanted to sort of like uh thank you for that first and foremost yeah man i appreciate hearing that because from early on a goal of mine has been to not just grow as a dj and get better and earn people's respect but I've always wanted to spread the art too. Mm. So when I hear people say things like, you helped me understand the potential of what you could do with a turntable or, you know, watching you and your group uh, perform together, make music, open my eyes about the turntable truly being an instrument, you know, things like that hit me hard, man, because that's really what I set out to do. And I, I, I sometimes stumble across old interviews of mine on YouTube. And I hear myself say these things that like, I want to send people home considering 
to even become DJs mm. and nothing's changed. You know, like I, I see interviews of myself when I was much younger um, and skinnier and <laughs> all the things that like I'm basically still preaching and pushing now. So yeah, I definitely appreciate hearing that from you for sure. No, that's really cool. I mean, it was, it was kind of like, I wanted to put it up there like for myself, it was up there with the kind of like when Anthrax worked with Public Enemy or Aerosmith worked with Run DMC. It was that moment for me of like, there is something out there. There's other people out there that want to push this, like this particular art within this genre. Um, cause obviously we do have DJs within it. Some like notable DJs. You've got like DJ Seared of Slipknot. You've got, um, uh, Kilmore from Incubus and, um, God, I'm trying to rattle them off now and I can't remember them. Oh, Lethal in, uh, in Limp Biscuit and stuff like that. Um, all within that genre that I was kind of like batting around in, but like that particular track was like massive for me. Cause it was just like, right there it was like full-on kind of like rock hip-hop djs everything in one yeah it was massive for me too trust me um <laughs> from being these underground djs to mainstream artists recording artists and we're now going from playing inside incognito nightclubs in front of a hundred people to opening up for Eminem inside stadiums with 20, 30,000 people. Nice. So that video was massive on a bunch of levels. And I'm super appreciative to Lincoln park, uh, specifically Mike Shinoda and Mr. Han for agreeing to collaborate with us. Mm. And yeah, man, that was groundbreaking. And we definitely, I feel created a new path for DJs and I don't I don't feel it's a coincidence that DJing is as popular as it is today yeah um, I think we the executioners had a lot to do with that for sure and that song specifically um, just broke barriers down for DJs because there was a point in in the 90s when the whole renaissance was taking place that the x-men slash executioners Invisible Scratch Pickles, mm. Bee Junkies were part of. When we were revolutionizing this art form, the truth of it is the music industry really didn't care. And we kind of created like a whole new genre of DJing. And it was like this subculture that we created. And we were in our own world DJing for fans that didn't care to see rappers on stage with us. Yeah. Um, so so then to fast forward to it's going down and the release of that project and having, you know, a, a rapper in Mike Shinoda on stage with us and then a rock band, um, Static X and, and Linkin Park. And, you know, it's just insane, man. And we bridged two genres of music together, reconnected these genres, so to yeah. speak. And now DJing is just... I mean, everyone is a DJ. Literally everyone is a DJ, it feels like. So I feel like the execution has had a lot to do with that. Yeah, no, definitely. The exposure it definitely got over here um, with like the, the, the sort of the rock channels and stuff like that, that it was played out on. Um, and I DJ in rock clubs as well. So I play out a lot of this music as a sort of like a weekly, monthly thing. And, and that tracks still to this day, I think it's like 18 years later, still goes down a treat. Like people just go crazy for it. So 
excellent no it's excellent i just wanted to thank you for that first and foremost because that was like one of the big reasons i wanted to speak to you uh generally on that front and uh, also the scratch documentary as well which i saw you in um mm-hmm. which was another sort of th- blast from the past we will get to you dilly don't worry uh, <laughs> um, um but no the scratch documentary was huge for me as well because again it showed the whole culture behind it because i wasn't as a youngster i wasn't exposed to that sort of side of things as such i get the music like we grew up in a household full of music it was pop music you know um my brother was a sort of mobile disco dj if you will and um you know and then then that sort of came along i was sort of well into my scratching and and all that kind of like sound manipulation and all that kind of stuff um but that 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 documentary like that totally like blew open a whole thing for me um including sort of discovering various djs i hadn't known before uh and things like that how was it for you like on that front like again with the exposure that that got at the time wow if you can remember yeah yeah <laughs> uh i remember the uh the film was directed by a guy named doug prey mm. and i have to mention a film called battle sounds that actually dropped before scratch this was also a documentary about the evolution of djing specifically battle DJing and the director of that film is a guy named John Carluccio. And I just think that the film world in general is a great way to project this art to the mainstream because what we do is a sonic experience. You know, we're manipulating sound and we're using turntables. It's not like we're using traditional instruments Mm. but but if you're not of that genre or or an an enthusiast of quote-unquote turntablism what we do can go over your head and you may not really appreciate it the way it should be appreciated so i think you have to see it you have to see it and and documenting it visually literally like sitting you down and and forcing a force a person to watch the wizardry involved in taking a turntable manipulating the sound that's being projected out of that piece of vinyl without making the record skip yep is an amazing thing it defies logic when you think about it and physics because the turntable wasn't designed for you to put rest your hand on on the record and then move the record back and forth and coax the sound like what DJs like myself and Dilly do really go against the definition of what a turntable is used for mm. and so so it's one thing to hear it you know you could hear a scratch on a record or hear a person scratching over the radio but when these films came out in the late 90s and early 2000s now people were seeing it because if you weren't a part of this subculture of people that would go to these gritty nightclubs in New York City and other spots throughout the world, and if you weren't a part of that 100, 200, uh, you know, group of people yeah. that were now and seeing this take place, you know, you just were missing out on like art. There was this art, this renaissance that was taking place, and it was an underground movement. And when the films came out, Battle Sounds and 
more specifically Scratch, which was popular. Mm. Um, and it was Palm Pictures released it. This is like a big film company. Yeah. Um, now people like yourself that weren't able to buy a $10 ticket to see the Executioners and the Beach Junkies and the Invisible Scratch Pickles at Wetlands in New York City, people like yourself that couldn't attend those kind of events, now you were seeing it from the comfort of your own home mm. you know, in front of your TV set and thinking and realizing like, wow, this is amazing. It's not just a token sound that you hear on a hip hop record. Like these guys take this stuff serious. Oh, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Film, the film scratch really did a lot for DJ culture. And I also credit Doug Prey a lot for, creating like a new wave, you know, and contributing. And and like I said earlier, DJing is the most popular form of musical expression right now. I think more people want to be DJs than, than rappers or producers or guitarists. And, um, I, again, credit the, the mania that you hear or see regarding DJing Mm. people just talking about it posting about it every day. Um, I credit it to all that took place in the late 90s and early early 2000s. Yeah, definitely. Because before that, I've got um, like uh, VHS copies of DMC events and things like that like in my in my studio somewhere um, and that was the only way I could see any other people doing what they were doing. Like I said, it wasn't like until that documentary, it really gave other people that kind of like insight into the 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 mind behind it um which is absolutely fantastic from my point of view as well because i ended up like yourself you do now you do a lot of teaching i ended up teaching djing in the uk um which very primitive like kind of course that we had um uh, but it was a college level like there was a course that like opened up and i ended up teaching a bunch of kids that how to dj you know the sort of like mindset behind it um and that documentary helped because I showed that to my class one day and they were like, they, they started to sort of like get certain things like the, the, the way you can manipulate stuff to make it work for yourself, really. Yep. Um, be it sort of some random instrument itself, random guitar tone or phrases and things like that. And, you know, and, and I've, I, I sort of, I still like the couple of the people I still keep in contact with from that course. This was a good almost 20 years ago. They're still DJing, so amazing you know i did something right i think somewhere um <laughs> and, and here you are still uh pushing the art and oh, exposing yeah. people through this podcast so yeah. everyone makes their own small contribution you know and um whether it's a uh, film director like doug prey uh an artist like myself um a fan who starts off just admiring djs and then turns into a dj himself and then teaches it and passes on what they know, like yourself, yeah. you know, um, Dilly, I feel like for me is like a part of the new generation of DJs. And, and although she and I are in a romantic relationship, <laughs> like I also teach her how, how to DJ and how to discover her voice. And, and I feel like I'm passing on to her ideas and theories and philosophies towards DJing that, I don't think she'd be able to pick up now mm. if I wasn't around training with her because I came up in a different era and I learned from the masters, the guy that the guys that 
created all this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. So now I'm passing what I know onto her and her being more attached to the, the new younger generation. She could take my older ideas and, and morph them into new thoughts and new approaches. So everyone contributes, man, in their own way. Yeah. No, definitely. And I, I, I really appreciate the videos you put up as well of you it, during your lessons, because like, I still get people asking me if, if I still, you know, teach and stuff like that. But unfortunately, between family and work, it's not really a possible thing for me on that front. But I always direct them to your videos on YouTube and generally your sort of like general era because you, you, you break it down so well. Um, there's one like particular one that um, really kind of uh, stuck with me that a lot of like I didn't I didn't get taught this I had to learn this like on on my own but there was one lesson that I saw of yours it was a while ago but it was the one where you probably you've put you've done hundreds of these so <laughs> just sort of pinpointing one but it was um where to drop in the beat when you're mixing yes. like not every song starts on the one uh sometimes it starts on the three or the and three and things like that and 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 that that was like it was absolutely perfect to show you these people like yeah. particular arts of DJing because they're just like oh you just put two records on and just let them play and go, it's not like that they don't flow the same you know? right yeah this is a science yeah exactly. this is a science I mean that mm -hmm. was just like one like one sort of like obviously example but that was the one that really kind of like has stuck with me just because it's something I always tell any new DJ it's just like you know one of the first things I'll tell them is like always like listen to the songs that you're going to play or that you want to play you know Yes, they can match BPMs. That's fine, but are you hitting it in the right point? Right, and yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Um, but let's let's get on. We obviously chatted about Dilly just then. Let's let's have a chat with Dilly. Hello. Hey. What's... Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Listening to Rob talking about his. Um, history of DJing. I always find it so interesting. No, that's really cool. I mean, obviously, uh, from your accent, you're from my area of the world originally. Yes, I'm Yes. I spy a Brit here. Nice, nice. I was I was living in the States for a little while too. So, <laughs> I know. Where were you? I was in uh, Tampa, Florida for about five years. Cool. And I cool. uh, moved back 2017. Um, yeah, so I spent a good five years over there. And. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. I, I enjoyed my time there. So it was, uh, but um, I had to come back because family reasons and everything. But um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's chat about your background. Because um, like I said, I mean, I know a lot about Rob, um, but yourself, um, very new to me. Obviously, I've checked out your mixes and stuff you've got going at the moment. Because um, you guys work together as, as the team, uh, Dilbert. And um, checked out your Stay Home, Stay Sewn mix that you did. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but let's get a bit of background on you. Let's find out where you came from. So, you know, wh where, where did you first get the sort of like um, uh, inkling to DJ? Um, so I moved to New York about a year and a half ago for yep. university and just on a whim I ended up taking a DJ class. I'd thought about it when living in London, um, but had never really taken it further than just buying a cheap set of controllers and playing around with it, but never made much of it. Yep. And then I met Rob uh, through a class and got exposed to turn like turntables and turntablism. Yeah. And him and I just really gelled over the philosophies, the history, um, all of it. I was just really receptive to all of his teaching, and we really bonded over my 
uh, growing passion for learning about DJing. And since then, so I touched a turntable for the first time end of January 2019. Yep. Uh, Since then, it's just been this amazing love affair with DJing and with Rob, really. No, that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I I watched your... um the live stream you guys did for the EP release, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and as I was watching, I saw the sort of like the, the sort of, um, interaction you have with each other. It's quite, it's quite a good, like you're very well synced. Um, there's that one bit about halfway through where you're sort of like crossing arms and stuff between each other and scratching on each other's turntables, if you will. Um, and that kind of like syncopation does take, you know, sometimes can take ages to sort of like fall in space, but you guys seem to have caught onto it pretty quickly. It's chemistry, man. Yeah. 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 And I'm really appreciative of you touching on that because we make it look easy, but it's not, it's not an easy thing to accomplish when two people with four hands and two brains have to think as one person mm. with one brain and two hands, yep. you know? Yes. And that's something you can't yeah. really force. Like right. I can imagine us, we gel very well together and, whether it's scratch practices or juggling together as one, um, we pick it up quite fast and we manage to feed off each other really well. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something that has to come quite naturally because it's, you know, yeah. being two one is... No, it, it definitely does. I've, I've, I've sort of worked with other DJs in the past and I've never had, you know, that instant kind of like collaborative feel to it. And it was quite, it was quite cool to watch. You know, I was sat there like researching for this this particular interview, and I was watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't imagine doing that of anyone because it is, it does, it takes that two minds to work as one." Um, yeah, it does. And um, Napoleon Hill, I don't know if you're familiar with who that is, um, but he had a theory called the the mastermind uh, theory, and basically, overall, what he was trying to say was. It's it's better to make or create ideas when you are working in groups. Mm. You you're you're you, it's like you're more effective when you could come together with another person and bring an idea into fruition. And I feel that every time Dilly and I train and practice and and, and brainstorm or even just have conversations about things that we want to do. Like she can tell you a lot of times we'll be talking and then I'll just jump straight away and start putting together the, the ideas and concepts that we shared about whatever we were talking about musically into motion. And within a day or two, we start applying those things that we had talked about in our conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that Matt, that mastermind theory of like working with another person being inspired by a conversation and then jumping on that and and riding that momentum is important and that's what you see in in our videos in our mixes that's what you hear is a thought or a a creation i should say that started out with a thought and that thought then turned into a conversation and then that conversation turned into the physical product whether it's our mixtapes or the videos that you see. So yeah. yeah, it's been fun. It's an incredible journey as well, because I've mainly done whether it's solo sport or solo music in the past. Yeah. So my creative experiences has been generally revolved around myself and being able to talk about some ideas with somebody 
cultivate them, water those seeds and watch those ideas bloom and feed off of each other is a very new but amazing experience for me to creatively and to experience yourself being creative with another person is a whole new side of your creativity which has been really interesting and fun to be a part of that's amazing that's amazing and 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 you've only been like djing well on turntables you say for about a year and a bit now is that right yes yes i'm probably i went started going hard with it maybe october november last year Cool. Well, you yeah. got you got some solid mixes on your mix cloud. I'm I'm not going to lie. I did listen to a few of them. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's really cool to sort of like get that. And and what was the sort of like? Um, obviously, I get the general idea behind the stay home, stay stoned mix. But you saying you worked together on that? Was that more of that kind of like organic um, sort of um, uh, preparation for it? Um, yeah, I would say so. I suggested the idea for 420. Um, Rob yep. has been sober all of his life, so we wanted to stay true okay. to reflecting his personality and my personality. And so within the mix, we've weaved in this narrative of the female voices sort of pushing me like, oh, I'll meet you on the rooftop tonight. Let's, <laughs> let's, whatever. And then the male voice is the 1960s anti-weed propaganda. And as the um, mix evolves and takes you on this journey by the end, the male narrative in the mix agrees to do it. I'm still working on that in real life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I think it was just this really fun way of us still staying true to who we are. But then, you know, how we weaved in on our um, sort of ideas together and then we created an authentic and I thought very creative and fun for twenty mix. No, it's a good mix. I was going to mention the sort of anti sort of like stuff you had in there, the anti sort of like we kind of like no like um, what's the word words that you had in there. Um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. I mean, I was following it along, and I was like, you know, it does it does change roles, you know, and it kind of like gets to that point but no that's really cool I, I i enjoyed the mix that you guys did on that front i'm i'm quite i'm really happy it kind of came together that sort of way as well because it, it does feel kind of um it doesn't feel like a forced mix like you get some people that you like day in day out like dance music mix kind of you know hitting the same beats every time but no it was really cool i really enjoyed it um yeah all right well i appreciate that man hopefully people that are listening to us talk about it will be motivated to go check it out themselves because although you may not necessarily be a fan of some of the music selection, I think you may not realize that you are, if that makes sense. Like I played, I played along with Dilly. I chose to play songs that, aren't the typical tracks that you would hear in the typical DJ set. And um, for example, it's a 420 mix, but within the the set you hear jazz. Mm. Uh, You know, there's an artist called David Axelrod that I feel his music, (laughs) although I don't smoke or get high, I feel like you can't smoke and get high to it. Um, so, so it's like, I feel like the, the, the mix itself, you may see it and come across it on, on, let's say Instagram, see the cover and, and think you don't, you may not relate to it, but I think if you sit down and check it out, there's going to be something within that mix that you're going to be like, this is dope. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, idea behind it wasn't just to do like the run of the mill 420 mix playing, you know, because I got high and all of that. We wanted to make it a journey. Yeah. Um, and something you can also get high to. And even if you don't smoke, that it's still a, it's a journey regardless of what state you're in. And that was really important to us because we're sort of like anti corny in general. <laughs> and can go pretty wrong with the 420 mix, you know, and just play every song about weed because that's what you're focused on but yeah. i think the way we approached it was definitely from like a really like a musicianship approach yeah uh, and i yeah i think we're, we're both really proud of what we produced no definitely it's really cool like i say like you said it was not it's not the usual kind of 420 songs if you will um mm. and as a person who doesn't like, i don't smoke either I'm, I'm one of those sort of like teetotal people and um it 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 was no it was really cool i mean i enjoy all kinds of music anyway but no it was really nice to hear these other songs like like i can i can put on a 420 mix somewhere and it will be all those standard songs that you kind of listed a moment ago um but no this one was really cool so, thank you no worries um dilly so what, what's your sort of like musical background then obviously you, what part of england are you from first and foremost as well was is it london I'm, or are you from yeah. Yes, uh, I'm from Camden in London. Okay. Uh, NW3. Oh, nice, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, um, big up the London family. Um, but yeah, so my musical background, I, I've actually been a musician since about two years old. Um, okay. I started piano, and then the violin, and then the saxophone, and I actually ended up playing for the Royal Academy of Music oh, wow. um, about five years. Um, mainly with the violin that was like my best instrument and I ended up doing a lot of yeah just my solo career in that sense was pretty strong and then I took some time off from that because I was also an international horse rider so everything with school and everything was just you know got to a point where I was like okay I need to just buckle down with school for a couple of years and then then I moved to New York and I haven't really been uh, able to express my creativity through music for a while and so as soon as I found turntables and they're really a musical instrument like considering I am a musician yep. classically first and foremost I it didn't take much for me to see the turntables as this unlimitless unlim- possibilities for creativity and being able to play it like an instrument yeah and I think that's probably why I've gelled with it so well because I have all that music theory and sort of performance experience and um, working in groups because I was in, you know, chamber orchestras, orchestras, quartets, trios, you name it, um, I was in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, honestly, I did so much music when I was younger. And I think that translated into turntablism, but I never did any improvising. Like, although I played the saxophone, um, I was always intimidated by improvisation. Mm. Um, just because of my classical training, it's very much here's uh, a sonata, play it yeah. um, in your way. Um, and so I remember the first couple of times Rob and I were doing scratch Q&As, I almost had a meltdown because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to express myself. And that's why I love turntablism and DJing so much is because I've been able to experience myself in this way as a creator rather than just a player, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like knowing that about you now, like, and and how quickly you picked it up for a start as well. But yeah, no, I I I I, grew, I was taught instruments when I was a kid as well, and yeah, the improvisation part that was 
that was always that was always at the start anyway that was the kind of like thing of like oh okay you just do whatever right <laughs> and then eventually yeah. you get it you get you, you know the feel of what you're going to do you know what scratch you're going to pull off you know what you know what vibe you know because with djing it's not just what you're doing yourself it's about the room you're in as well so you got the people if you're playing to a crowd obviously um you've got to feed off them as well so it's like you've got the multitasking of like the two records going around at the moment and then you've got to think about what the crowd are doing as well um but with musical training you kind of get that because you do play in front of a crowd and you can kind of tell when they're enjoying it yeah um definitely it's definitely a different experience though i'd say like i don't get nervous you know like one of the first times rob put me on stage with him was at a music festival in toronto there must have been thousands (laughs) of people there you know like that was just like kind of that didn't affect me as I'm sure others like at an early stage in their DJ life might actually find quite daunting. Mm. I would say you've got to keep trying and keep working at scratching and improvising because coming from somebody who's quite nervous about it, now is something I really enjoy. And just a little bit every day, not trying to, you know, crab and flare straight away because yeah. that's something I need to be working on. But um, I'm inspired by some of like Grandmaster Flash's scratching styles, which are quite simple but very funky. Yes. You know, it's just like off um, kind of syncopated baby scratches and all of that um, from the early hip hop days, yep. where it wasn't the more complicated scratches hadn't really come out yet or hadn't been developed yet. But there was still so much sauce and flavor in the scratches. And considering I'm still at an early stage in my scratching career. And I want to say this to like help inspire others who are in a similar situation to me where we're not, you know, going crazy with the R's and all of that. Um, that you can still be crazy funky and not be able to crab. Mm. But I'm working yeah. on that and that's something I'm adding. Um, shout out to DJ Shorty Scratch Workouts as well. Anybody who is trying to improve their scratching, I have found that so helpful. I've only done like one or two. But just what I've learned from those as well. It's like 90-minute scratch workouts with her. She's an incredible female DJ. Yeah. Um, check check her out. Um, I couldn't recommend that enough. Cool. No, I've written that down in front of me, so I will check that out. So that's good. Because I did uh, last year, I challenged myself to a DJ. Well, I set myself a DJ challenge of 365 days of scratching. Mm, I've seen that, yeah. I did it. <laughs> thankfully i did it i put a video up every day of doing it as well um but no it was just because basically i i i hadn't had my turntables for a few years like i said i, I moved over to the states i didn't take my turntables with me i had a controller but it wasn't really enough to kind of keep me interested if you will yeah um, came back to england got my stuff out of storage moved into this new place and it had a a, a garage around the back with like work tables and everything everywhere and it's great I'm in it right now. I've converted it into a mini studio. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to document what I was doing. Um, and uh, and it was just sort of like getting back into that um, rhythm, if you were with your hands, because it does take like, there's like, you get re- repetitive scratch injury, I think they call it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, try, not not trying to push myself fully straight away. Like not trying to crab, not trying to orbit, not trying to flare straight off the bat. Just like keep keep with the funk, keep with the music, um, and yeah, I mean, I did it in the end, and I can see the progress I made, which was good. So, yeah, I always say Rob always says a little bit every day, and it's now that I've been doing that more and incorporating more everyday training into my schedule, 
mm. my, you know, you might say, I've noticed such a big difference. Like even if you just do a little bit every day, it's the things you do every day that matter more than the things you do once in a while. Yeah. Yep. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. There's some good wisdom right there. So, cool. Well, Dilly, thank you for that. Um, I really enjoyed your Cyber Salon mix as well. You did. I had a listen to that earlier. Yeah, uh, bit of Jamiroquai and stuff like that, and I really like that. So that's good. Um, but yeah, let's let's take it because we mentioned it earlier. You've released an EP called The Cure. Yes. Uh, with with the real DMT. Correct. I gave that a listen as well. Um, I, I, I had to stream it on the old uh, on the old Apple Music. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of a real cool, very sort of stripped back i say stripped back it's kind of real hip-hop if you will yeah straightforward nothing fancy uh the subject matter is tight and relevant mm-hmm. the beats are hard boom bap 90s feel hip-hop sure. and and there's scratches on it and unfortunately you don't really hear much of that kind of hip-hop today uh, and even the hip hop that you would consider quote unquote real, a lot of it doesn't even have scratches on it. And while the beats may be dope and the lyrical technique is on point, the content isn't really uh, uh, much to talk about, in my opinion. Like uh, it's, you know, it's one thing to be lyrically clever. Yeah. But when you're using that cleverness and wit to talk about like shooting people and selling drugs and, the body counts that you have to me, that's just like, I don't know, old and, um, and played out. Like, so I feel like with the cure, what I did with the real DMT was, uh, try our best to make music that didn't come off too preachy, but still was thought provoking and, and made you consider things that you may be dealing with in life, whether it was, uh, your fascination with social media and obsession with accumulate accumulating likes and and uh, followers. You know, we we are in this social media driven age now, and it's gotten to the point now where like people live their lives through uh, the popularity that they have on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter so on and so forth and that's dangerous yeah well you know we touch on that uh in a song called overdose you know people are literally overdosing on so many things uh whether it's uh money um again the the whole accumulating likes on social media and followers um and then there are songs like mood where we talk about depression you know like what rapper right now in 2020 is talking about depression um it's it's not necessarily the 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 kind of topic that you want to necessarily talk about in a song you know usually music you just want to kind of be happy and and just you know vibe to whatever but there are people right now battling a lot of different things you know alcoholism drug addiction um maybe they had a breakup and and now with social media to couple it with that, you're told and socialized to be happy all the time and to project this perfect life. And no one has a perfect life. So these are some of the things that we touch on in the EP. But again, we try to do it in a way that that 
isn't too somber either, but more so it's like we're trying to 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 be real yeah. with our audience and say, hey, these are things that are happening right now that not many artists, especially in the genre of hip hop, are talking about. And we're not afraid to address these these topics. They they should be talked about and considered and um and exposed because yeah, there are people out there that are dealing with it right now. So I'm really proud of the EP and I actually one of my favorite songs on it is a song called Rise of the Machines yeah. where where we address the uh how can I put this? Right now with regards to DJing, there's this like battle. I I and I kind of compare it to the movie Terminator. How um, you have humans and then you have the machines that are taken over. And in some ways, uh, whether it's controllers, uh, DJ apps, it seems like now DJing is more about what the fancy contraption that you buy in an app or a laptop or a mixer or a turntable can do for you to make you sound like a better DJ. And that goes against the principles of this art because again, as I was saying earlier today, Thomas Edison who invented the turntable, the phonograph at the time it was called was, was not thinking that in the seventies, a little kid, 12 years old named Theodore Livingston was going to take his invention and redefine it and start scratching. So the idea behind this art is to, do the impossible and and to redefine what the purpose of the gear that you bought out of that uh store mm. that that turntable that mixer are you redefining the purpose of that gear and 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 being creative and injecting yourself into it opposed to just doing whatever the equipment says you could do which is limiting you know yeah. so um rise of the machines takes uh, uh, a shot at people that buy controllers and post videos of themselves not doing anything, just letting a song play, but for whatever reason, they think they're DJing, you know? So yeah. it's a dope EP, man, and we touch on a variety of different topics. And, it's really um, tasteful yeah. as well. Like, the beats are crazy. Um, and although some of the topics might sound a bit depressing, like, you don't really feel that whilst um, you're listening to it. Yeah. So it's it doesn't glorify any sort of negativity or um, like, for example, doesn't glorify depression, but as you're listening to it, it transports you. It's a really sensitive, but intellectual and yet very funky body of work. Yeah, no, yeah. De- definitely. I was just, I was going to say it's, it's got a solid, like, I don't want to like give it like that much hype. It's kind of like it, this generation's the message, if you will. It's just kind of, um, it's got, it's got all the elements of popular culture in there that, that, is what is kind of what's going on right now i mean like you say with overdose it was like you know the people you know they wanted all those likes they wanted all their money but they're always looking to sort of i think you said it in one of the songs you know you got four hundred thousand something and then you want to make eight how do i get eight hundred thousand you know everyone wants to like take keep going with it and it's just like an addiction it's like you know new people will and they do unfortunately overdose on that sort of stuff and and exactly. men- for the mental health side of things, um, which is something I'm a big sort of like, you know, um, I like to talk about it 
as much as I can because talking about it, that's how it helps. But, you know, and, and that was one thing I took out from it as well is just having that kind of like, you know, I could see like, you know, when you are sort of when talking about depression and, and whatnot and things like that and, and how, you know, you can relate or how many people can relate to it, how I can relate to it. Um, but you didn't do it in like a negative manner. It wasn't done in sort of like a, well, I guess what would be, you know, like you said, but like, whereas before, you know, people talk about body counts, guns, bling, yeah. whatever, you know, and, and it's not done like that. It's done in a very real way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Real way. And, and it's like, we're having a conversation with our audience Yeah, and letting them know that, yeah, for example, I do post videos of myself performing by alone or with Dilly. Mm. I do promote. And obviously my goal is to reach as many people as I can and be acknowledged. I think to some degree, that's kind of what we are all trying to do is to be received and acknowledged for what we're good at. So I do get it. But at the same time, I'm aware that um, there's also other things that are more important in life. And that's not all I'm chasing, you know. And um, so to being able to talk about that, but do it through music and be creative and use my creativity to touch on things that I know are issues for a lot of the people that listen to my music and, mm. and follow me and watch the posts to let them know like, Hey, you know, I'm here and, and I see you and I get it. I think that's important, you know, because a lot of artists in my shoes just glorify and, and glamorize what they're doing well yeah. and, and won't stop to, to, really acknowledged that they're human, just like their fans. So they kind of put themselves on, on these pedestals and everything is perfect all the time. And every post is perfect. And that's not reality. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. And I, I see, you know, being in, we're in lockdown right now and I've seen a lot of people online doing this, as you right. sort of explained earlier, like the guys with yeah. you know controlling, they're just standing there um, and then waiting for the system to kind of, well, wait for the song to play and then yeah. hit play on the next And I'm track. actually, you know, Barnaby, I'm glad that you touched on that because some something that I feel is interesting about the lockdown and this whole COVID-19 pandemic mm. that we're experiencing is, and Dilly and I talk about this a lot, I feel like indirectly, as as messed up as this pandemic has been for a lot of people, Globally, like people are dying and getting getting sick, and yep. that's a scary thing. I also feel like with regards to the effect it's had on so many facets of life, it's, it, it's also kind of been a cleansing and also like a reality check for a lot of people. Yeah. In that those people that you just referenced that are, have nowhere to DJ now and are forced to DJ from their homes and go live because they want some sort of attention because mm. they're doing it for the attention, right? And not the skill not to grow as a DJ. You see now that a lot of them have nothing really to offer. Just like they're, they're going live, but they're not doing anything. They're just sitting in front of their controller, letting a song play from beginning to end and then hitting a button, a sync button, 
so that the the app that they work with is mixing and beat matching for them. And and I'm I'm seeing through a lot of that. I always have, but now more than ever, it's like people are really showing themselves and I think it's more visible to the general public. I think when you've said talked about this before, mm. um, it hasn't been as visible to any everybody. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. somebody who knows nothing about DJing, who in the past wouldn't have known a controller from a turntable, could tune into somebody's live and be like, "They've just played the same song for six minutes and twisted some knobs that they don't really know doesn't really do anything." <laughs> and um, yeah, now I'm seeing, you know, Rob on a live stream and he's crazy. He's doing all of this stuff. Like, what's he doing? He's scratching, he's juggling, like he's doing, getting in and out of samples, recreating this. Like, the creativity and just visually how appealing it is, um, I think is just way more visible now. Yeah. And I think it's into question, why are a lot of these DJs who are famous, famous? Because they're now not DJing in a dark room way away from the crowd or whatever, like a lot of nightclub settings are like, yep. but you can't see the DJ. Now you can see the DJ and it's like, oh, the veil's been lifted in a way. And um, I think I hope that it motivates people to actually build their skills. I well, it has. It yeah. has, Dili. Like, I feel like within the last two months, basically since the lockdown started, I think more people in the last two months have reached out to me about lessons and all of them have been saying the same thing. I have the time now. I want to level up. I have the time now. Mm -hmm. I want to get better so that when the lockdown is over, I have something else to offer beyond letting a song play or beyond acting. And, and I remember I had one student not too long ago, a few days ago that I was training, she and I had our first lesson and she was super transparent and honest. And she was like, you know, Rob, a part of me feels like I'm a fraud because I'm DJing and I get booked to DJ, but I know that I don't know enough to really be working to the degree that I'm working Mm -hmm. and I'm getting paid. And I just want to make sure that when the lockdown is over, that I'm doing right by this art form. And that was just the coolest thing to hear someone be honest. Yeah. So this pandemic has had like this, like interesting effect on coming from a DJ perspective. Uh, It's, it's had an interesting effect on people and, um, and I feel like a cleansing is taking place. And and I, I wonder now that things are starting to gradually get back to quote unquote normal. I, I wonder what the rest of the year is going to look like once clubs open up again. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to see more creativity and and people not just relying on their top 20 set lists. Yeah. Um, and taking requests and just playing whatever they think people want to hear, but being more creative. Because that's what DJing needs for it to evolve and continue to grow yeah. is creativity. So I feel like the pandemic is having this like funny effect on on the DJ community. Oh no, it definitely is. It definitely like, and there's, there's it's sort of showing that there's there's a lot of them out there. And like you say, there's a few of them that that just don't don't have. And I'm I'm good. You, I'm glad you're getting people actually a- approaching you and saying, look, I'm I don't feel I've I do this this art form justice on that front um 
which is got a great realization and it and like you know beforehand if someone's being paid to do the bare minimum if you will they're going to continue to do it um but now once that sort of like that that flow of like that extra flow of cash isn't there and then they can't sell it online either or do like a you know a live stream because it's just someone standing there you know, exactly you know there's no there's no mystic behind it because when i was younger that that was the sort of like the um allure of the dj it was the mystic part of it right you know the right. the wizards with these hands you know um yeah. and 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 back then obviously there was a lot more manipulation in in like you know trying to get that sort of like beat to stay in sync um manipulating the side of the turntable turning the uh the bit in the middle all that kind of stuff um obviously messing with the pitch and whatnot and now obviously you know there is a sync button but you know it still take there is an element of uh skill still required to use that button if you are going to use it um right like we mentioned earlier but with the count-ins and stuff like that it's it's you've got to hit it right you could always hit sync and it will be in sync but it won't be in sync if you will it would still sound like a car crash exactly and and i was going to say the djs that are winning right now during the pandemic the ones that are enduring not being able to play out but still thriving are the ones who have their technique down yeah you know and technique doesn't just mean how fast you could scratch and whether or not you could beat juggle um Technique is also just like who has developed their taste in music, who amongst the gazillion DJs that exist right now on on this big rock that we live on, who amongst these DJs has good taste in music, who's curating a set that makes you want to sit on your phone for 30, 40, 60 minutes and just listen to them rock. Because mm. the majority of live streams that I encounter, after two minutes, I tune out and I'm watching TV or doing something else or practicing myself with Dilly. Um, but there have been some sets that I've that I've uh, come across that keep me glued. And those are the guys that either, yeah, they have their technique down, but also they're playing music that that the 20 other DJs that have went live that day aren't playing. Yeah. You know, so technique and style and cultivating yourself isn't just about what you're doing mechanically. You know, it's about what you're doing sonically, soulfully. Mm. Um, Yeah, and it also doesn't have to be on turntables as well. I think you can still achieve creativity on CDJs. And I think that's where some people make an excuse. They're like, well, I'm not going to buy turntables. I, well, I, I'm, this is what I'm going to do with CDJs. Like, this is what CDJs are for. And, like, I've spoken to all about this in the past. Like, can you do everything, give or take, on CDJs? And he's like, of course you can. And so I don't want it to come across as, like, turntablism is superior or any of that. It's just you use your equipment in an authentic, creative, and curious way. I think curiosity is something that is so important in your approach to whatever you do, really, because yeah. I seeing how you can evolve what's the next step what does this do how can i incorporate this idea it's all about being curious and if curiosity drives you you're going to become much more creative than just basically a glorified shuffle play on spotify (laughs) and i'm your boyfriend's favorite dj like no like use investigate what you're doing and do it as an intellectual and educational pursuit obviously not everybody does it in that way 
And it's like, well, why should I learn to scratch? Why should I do any of this? But you can do that even in your mixing. Yeah. You can do in your scratching, do then your juggling. You can combine all three. There isn't a, the only superiority that is, is are you being curious and are you doing this with a good intention? Are you just doing this for clout? Because that's, that's, that's so easy to see straight through. Yeah. And I feel just to piggyback what Dilly just said, Today's DJ has been so focused on the immediate gratification that a DJ gets from from being good and playing music. You know, people love sitting in front of a, a DJ booth and watching a DJ navigate between different songs. It does something to them. And I don't know whether it's the frequencies in the music or what, but that, that power, DJs seem to want that now, opposed to working towards that. And that mentality is so far removed from the essence of what this art is about. Grandmaster Flash, Grand Wizard Theodore, Africa Bambada, Cool Herc, those DJs, the guys that laid down the foundation for what it is that we do today in 2020 went through a process and it wasn't an immediate thing. They didn't just wake up one day and become these pillars in the art. They they worked towards that and it was a process mm. of uh, daily practice, record digging listening to music, exposing themselves to different genres of music, understanding what moved people. Why does this song work when I play it? Why do these two songs mix together so well? Mm. And mind you, these are DJs that didn't have formal training in music theory, but they did the work still. And I don't know, man, I just feel like what I'm trying to do whether it's posting with Dilly, uh, posting with my students is bridge that that gap between the mentality that DJs have now, that immediate gratification and the patience that the forefathers of this art form, the guys that I came up on studying had, because it takes patience to really become the 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 groundbreaking DJ that a Jazzy Jeff has or a Cash Money has, yeah. or even not to toot my own horn, but even myself, like, you know, before I entered my first battle, I trained and practiced for seven years. Whereas today, you know, a lot of people are watching one YouTube video, then going out and getting the gear and putting DJ in the bio of their Instagram pages. <laughs> so it's crazy, man. And um, hopefully this conversation, if there are people out there listening, hopefully this conversation will uh, make people just stop and pause for a second and rethink what their motives are yeah. as DJs. No, definitely. I mean, I've, I was fortunate enough to meet um, Grandmaster Flash um, about 10-ish years ago. Um, and I got to ask him, you know, what, what, you know, a bit of advice and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of a, it was an expo in, in, um, in England, BPM it was called. Um, but he, he, just to reiterate what you said, he said like on top of practice, it was like literally try everything. Like when it comes to music, just try everything. And then 
it was like you know expose yourself to that to those different sonic sounds um and that's always resonated with me i always i'm i, I feel i'm quite you know open-minded when it comes to music obviously my sort of main passion is is the sort of like heavier side of things um but you know i do i do you know appreciate all other kinds of music i love jazz i love pop i love you know obviously the rap hip-hop the metal you know all that kind of stuff and 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 it was just sort of resonated with me more just to sort of like you know just train your ears to hear stuff totally yeah cool well i've got a couple of questions left for you guys and then i'll let you get on with the rest of your day at this point um because you see you're you're a good five hours behind me so you got the rest of the day so that's all good um, <laughs> um but what i want to know this these are sort of um these are individual questions for basically for both of you uh to answer separately but um these are kind of my uh sort of rounding up generic questions if you will but what i want to know is uh we'll start with uh you dilly if you don't mind um if you could pinpoint three albums that really had a massive impact on your life which ones would they be Good question. I would say uh, Illmatic, I think, is a good place to start. That's just such an iconic album. And obviously, Queens represent, you know, (laughs) when I'm in a rap, I rep Queens. So, um, yeah, I think that's just such an iconic album. Um, Nas is an incredible lyricist and the beats and the production on that. Um, is just crazy. Um, then I listen to a lot of different genres. So I'd say Manu Chao Clandestino is definitely one of my all-time favorite albums. Um, he um, speaks French and Spanish and just such a creative use of language, um, also the lovely beat music underneath. Mm. And it's very intellectual, political um lyrics i guess poetry i think is probably the best way to describe it cool um i don't know if you know manu chow um probably their most famous song is you know bongo bongo um for the whole album's okay i've heard of bongo bongo i will check it out i like to basically what i like to do is get these these albums then check out ones i haven't heard before and that would be one of them so Yeah, um, no, please do. They're really wonderful. Although the, you might not be able to understand some of the words, but I, I studied French and Spanish at school for a long time, so I was able to pick up. Yeah, um, no, that's right. I have a basic grasp of those languages, so should be all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and then and I think my third favorite album is probably, as an album, uh, Miss Education, uh, Lauren Hill. Um, cool. That is just, Lauren Hill really inspires me in terms of what she's achieved as a woman in the music industry as like a black female rapper or singer. Yep. Um, the wave she's made a lot. So many of those songs in the album are so iconic and really reflect a lot of like the female experience, which in a lot of hip hop, maybe you don't get as much because it's as much as I love hip hop. It's a lot of, you know, dude heavy. Yes, um, which it I is very much so. <laughs> um, it's always nice to hear um, a narrative you can relate to. And she's just an incredible singer. Um, and yeah, I'd say those are my three cool. most impactful albums. Cool. Thank you for that, Debbie. And how about you, Rob? My top three albums, I'd have to start with It Takes a Nation of Millions by Public Enemy. Nice. Chucky, Flavor Flav, the S1Ws, Professor Griff, that whole 
collective of young black men making music that helped kids in inner cities like myself discover who they are. Um, I mean, I wish that there was music like that now, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I feel that Public Enemy is a perfect example of why the real DMT and I were inspired to put out an EP like The Cure. We're trying to do what Public Enemy did for young people back then now, because young people, the best way you could reach young people is through music. Not not movies or or TV. It's through music. Yep. And every now and then you want to put music in your message, you know. And you want to you want to reach people and say something. And and the way to do it is attach some music to it so that they'll sit down and listen to it, you know. So yep. um, Public Enemy, it takes a nation of millions. Cool. T- to me, that's the blueprint. Um, for what EPs like The Cure are about. Second, I'm going to go with Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Nice. Um, that album is epic, man. And I'm, I'm really into concept albums and, and saying something with your music and not just being random. And I feel that Dark Side of the Moon was that one album that for me put in perspective how to string together an idea across multiple songs. Yeah. Uh, so Dark Side of the Moon, I studied that album for like a whole year. Um, and we're going to round it out with Raising Hell by Run DMC. Nice. Um, Raising Hell to me, that album, that's just the most magnetic album, man, because not only were they at the pinnacle of their creativity as artists, Run, DMC, Jam Master J, I feel that the album did so much to bridge white people and black people. Uh, the song Walk This Way, mm-hmm. what that did music and hip hop. In general, hip hop has always been an an inclusive form of art, but considering Run DMC were the first hip hop artists to appear on MTV, uh, I I think it's safe to say that they were the first hip hop artists to be exposed globally. Um, And Raising Hell, man, that album, they were just at the top of their game. So those three albums, I feel always I kind of like get a lot of my inspiration and drive and momentum from listening to those three albums or even thinking about uh, those pieces of work. Cool. Um, so when I'm in the studio, I'm kind of channeling Jam Master J when he was scratching. Mm. Um, if I'm collaborating with an MC or rapper, I'm channeling my inner public enemy. I, I want that rapper to say something. And as far as stringing together the music, I'm channeling my inner Pink Floyd and and trying to make sense of all the songs and figuring out a way to connect it all. I also want to shout out Super Duper Fly by Missy Elliott. I went blank on that before. Missy Elliott, like that as an album, I can draw to, I can 
read to like I it's something about it just resonates with my soul and Missy Elliott as an artist inspires me on such a personal level as a woman because she does not bow down to the patriarchy and she the way she carries herself very unapologetic um she doesn't I love the, her style the way she dresses I think women have been told to dress a certain way a lot of the time mm. by men and she just completely does not break into that and as somebody who doesn't want my brand to revolve around my looks solely um she inspires me in a way that you can still be a woman and still be stylish um but not end up just flaunt yeah um just her style definitely inspires yeah. me excellent oh. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for those guys. Um, I'm going to be checking out some of those because, well, that's what I do. I like to listen to music, so that's all good. Um, but Dark Side of the Moon, I, I, I can, yeah. I mean, I love that album. Um, you know, being from, as you would know, Dilly, being from England, it's kind of like a, you know, it's uh, you're almost giving it a birth, if you will, <laughs> um, as as one of the records you must own as a British person. Um, but yeah, no, no, they're all good. I mean, Raising Hell by Randy MC, I love that album as well. That's great good stuff um finally guys um uh, obviously you know you've kind of turned a, a hobby into a profession almost but what are your hobbies away from turntablism away from those turntables what are they uh what do you do to kind of get away from it so i am an avid reader um i love i know that's pretty broad but i love educating myself so just definitely during lockdown to spend time away from the tv I've read like four books in the last month. Um, mm. Shout Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Um, been reading A History of Britain and 21 Women. Um, a book called Me and White Supremacy, which is about dismantling racism within the white community, which I cannot recommend enough cool. to anybody out there. Um, Rob and I have also been playing chess. I've taught him chess. Ah. And me. <laughs> Well, twice now, so we're getting there. Um, nice. <laughs> um, you got to play today, actually. You haven't played in a few days. I know. Yes, definitely. Um, but listening to music, um, you know, talking about music, I mean, music's just such a big part of our lives, but um, just getting creative and educating ourselves, well, at least myself, and cooking, you know, um, getting creative in the kitchen. Cool. Yeah, I like doing a lot of different things. So, yeah. Um, for me, I, I would say my biggest hobby, and I don't really feel right calling it a hobby. It's really a way of life and a passion of mine. Exercise, working out. Yep. I, I really miss it because <clears throat> obviously now with the pandemic and the lockdown, uh, I haven't been able to train in over two months, and it's been driving me crazy. I have made my way to the local park and you know, I've done pull-ups on monkey bars and stuff, and uh, Dilly actually was smart. And, like, the week before the lockdown took place, she ordered some home weights. Ah, cool. So I, I've been able to, like, do some training, but it's not like being at a gym and being amongst your friends and, and hearing the ping of the of the the weights you know banging mm -hmm. uh, against the ground and stuff um i miss it man so i'm looking forward to this lockdown ending and returning to the gym and, and reconnecting with my gym rat friends and stuff he really has missed it i yeah. think he misses more than he misses me when i go on holiday <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> excellent well guys thank you very much for doing this i do appreciate your time uh and right answering my questions and everything and 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 all that kind of good stuff um i'd have a good rest of your day guys and uh if you want to give your uh socials a quick shout out go for it now thank you guys for tuning in and supporting i'm dilly um you can find me on my instagram dilly.rove for videos of rob and i scratching it and cutting it up uh, i've got my mixcloud mixcloud.com forward slash dilly dilly and i'm super excited to announce i've just launched my own website built by me uh dilly.world so thanks. Word. Cool. thanks guys for tuning in showing love and support word and if you want to check for myself brolic arm aka dj rob swift uh, just visit me on Instagram at Brolic Arm, B-R-O-L-I-C-A-R-M. You can visit my website, djrobswift.com. You could also visit my YouTube page, youtube.com slash djrobswift. I'm also on Facebook, Rob Swift and DJ Rob Swift. And on all those platforms, there's a lot of cool material on DJing. Uh, I share my philosophies about DJing and I I post a lot of my sessions with students so that people who can't afford to train with me can still learn. So uh, make sure you make your way to any of these platforms, man. And uh, once again, thank you, Barnaby, for hosting us here on your podcast. It's yes. been fun talking to you, man. Thank you so much, Barnaby. Appreciate the time. It's absolutely my pleasure, guys. You have a fantastic rest of your day, all right? Amazing. Cool. Thank you. This is the real action. And flying high as a kite. Hey boy, would you meet me on the roof tonight? I got a surprise for you. Get up. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt.
from my sinus. Crazy nasal vocals, can I make the hotties local? I remember Sister Maggie, best what kind of saggy. Used to sell me food out of fucked up little baggies. Honey up for 20, even when I had no money. She said, pay me back with some Latin dick, sonny. I never went out, and I don't think I'm gonna. Just for some motor, she wanted me to phone up the meaning. You think you know what I'm meaning? Now wait, hold it, that's played out. Inside the boundaries of their phony world of kicks is the ever-present possibility of discovery. This must be avoided at all costs. For discovery brings with it the penalties of society. Shame, arrest, prison. So destroy the evidence. Leave not a trace. Burn it in paper trash. That way they can deny possessing the illegal marijuana. Get on down. Get, 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 get on down. Get, 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 get. I'm about to land like an avalanche or a blizzard. 
So open up, let me in there. Check out the ill motherfucking that swing. Wickedy wicked. Your girl sit, I lick at his swing. Get like my man Wilson Pickett. I kick it. This man is psycho. Zulu, the dick ripper show. Get the dough and stick a hoe with my super hits. Uh, not then I be ghost. You got to be clean in between that gross. I bust the ill styles that your ears are not used to. Beat nuts, make tracks for the crowd to get lips to. Somebody's in the house if you're hot. So my brothers, if you're thirsty, crack the 40 ounce. Beats a smack, I'm out the city on my never funny. I rock all night, you gotta like, let's get blunted. So light up and pass it so I can puff. You can't get enough of the bucket and rough. And top pop, I ain't singing like a clutch. The world's world famous, famous. VP nerd. Well, it's the junkyard nigga with the funk flow screaming hardcore. Crazy bad breath like a demon. Retarded from birth, see, I ain't got no class. I used to fall in church and tell the priest to kiss my ass. Mad styles, catching seasons, yo. It's the psycho dwarf killer with a Caesar, bro. Ugly like shit, my smile's crooked. Any piece of ass I ever got, cause I took it. Yo, I'm invisible, niggas can't see me, kid. I did a short bit and came my cock diesel, kid. Junkyard juju, so you know. Scrapple metal jacket every fucking place I go. So play Dion Warwick, son, and walk on by. Or maybe stick around for a Colombian next time. Whenever the fuck you do, just get out the place. I got some shit to blow, that's my right off of your face. Now hold up, drink beer and smoke some shit. Just a powerful potion. What's that commotion, yo? 
John, his first pot party looks exciting. Everyone seems to be having fun. Best of all, there are no parents, no other adults, no one to interfere with the fun. The feeling of importance, of belonging, of putting one over is taking hold. Pete intends to tighten that hold, to squeeze it, to hook it, to lock it in. Now's the time to introduce the joints.
Chip on the left hand side, pass the touch on the left hand side, it's a 
goes up, 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 up,